It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the podcast, a podcast for skimp millennials. I'm Grace Holiday, and I'm joined today by three people. So we have Rick Worth. Say hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. Ah, <laughs> ah always one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robin Vinter. Hello. Um, and we also have uh, a special guest on the show today. Uh, so Hussein Kasvani, could you say hello for me, please? <laughs> hi. hi. Thanks for having me on. I feel like I'm in like nursery. Like, yeah. could you bit, say yeah. hello, everybody? Um, so, Hussein is the UK and Europe editor for Mel, the men's magazine, uh, and also co-host of Trash Future podcast, which you should listen to if you're listening to us. Also, um, I feel like there's quite a lot of crossover between what we talk about and what those guys talk about. Yeah, I think people who like this will like Trash Future. I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to be talking about today is quite a broad topic um, of privilege um, and all that goes into it. I was looking up the definition of privilege last night and it was actually quite interesting. And I've said that and I now don't have it prepared. That's <laughs> <laughs> While you guys are laughing, I'm going to yeah. search up the definition. I um, feel like, do you remember when everyone used to always be like, check your privilege? And yeah. people don't really say check your privilege anymore. Why? I don't know why that died out. Because it wasn't very cool, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, privilege is a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. I think immunity is an interesting word. Mm. Like, you are safe from that kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's so, yeah. I was just going to say, that's sort of the definition of it. But no, you, yeah, you it, literally, literally read the definition. The definition. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so um, to set the scene, how are each of us privileged? And I'm turning straight to Rick here as the token white straight male. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess in that sense then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm white, so, you know, that's that gets you off loads right. of stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm straight also. Yeah. And engaged. And engaged, yeah. And yeah, I'm straight and with a partner. I think there's a little bit of privilege in having someone who is willing to have you. sex with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a privilege that people don't talk about. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, starting off with me is a bold move because I was really nervous about discussing Well, the only way it's down here. Yeah. Um, but you are from a working-class background. I am from a working-class background, and I do think that makes a difference, or at least certainly poses a problem for the, the concept of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly where I grew up as well, there were 
this is this is going to sound obscene. Where I grew up, there were, it was majority white, hugely. Mm. Um, the only black person that I was aware of in St Helens was in my school, and we used to be we used to be friends. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just literally me saying I used to have a black friend, <laughs> uh, and there was um, quite a few Chinese uh, like immigrants and Chinese yeah. families. Um, so it's weird because you don't really understand racism if mm. there aren't any other, ra- any yeah, other races yeah. around. Mm. It'd be like my knowledge of race and privilege came uh, from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which yeah, which is really because I was like yeah, because my thing I was like yeah, well Will Smith seems like a perfectly reasonable person and his rich family are weird. Like yeah. that was the part I couldn't quite gel with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah. It's mm. weird to ask someone if they feel privileged because, mm. uh, like, I don't feel. I'm aware that privilege is a thing that exists, mm. but because I don't have any wealth, I don't necessarily feel privileged. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but it's. I think it's like more the absence of privilege that yeah. you feel probably more than mm-hmm. more than. It's hard to feel privilege, maybe. Yeah, um, it's like the air. You know, it's there, but you can't quite. Grasp it. She yeah. did a grabbing motion. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's bring the other male uh, into the conversation. Hussein, do you feel privileged I, in any sense? Um, sort of. So, uh, just thinking about this now, um, there's you... a lot of like advantages that I've had. So, I went to a selective school in Kent. What um, is this? What is I a selective to... school? Is that what you uh, do exams for? Yeah, it's a grammar, like one of the grammar schools, right? So it's like, so in Kent, there's like a whole kind of sh- uh, economy around like the kind of various grammar schools in and private schools in the county. Um, and you take exams to get in. And like, I took the exam and I got in and like, I guess benefited in some ways from like eight years of education there. I went to a good, you know, like a top 10 university, um, got a degree, uh, I kind of work in London at the moment, so like those kind of economic things are advantageous, even if I think, I sort of resonate in the sense of like, it often doesn't feel it. Um, it often doesn't feel it when you're kind of like crammed into public transport and <laughs> like you can't afford to really do much. But the idea that like it is a city where there's like lots of work and that those types of work tend to always benefit graduates over non-graduates is an advantageous position. Um, I have a roof over my head and I think that's always a privilege. I'm not in like significant amounts of debt other than my student debt. And I, you know, that's, um, that's definitely a privilege compared to lots of other people in our generation. Um, you know, I think the other things are larger, like, you know, I'm a heterosexual male and like, you know, that has tons of advantages as, uh, uh, was already said before. So yeah, in actually a lot of ways I am privileged, even if like, I'm not as privileged as other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robin, how about yourself? Um, so I, I, yeah. So sim- similarly, I've got like a few things going for me and like a few things going against me. Um, but like the one thing I actually feel like I've noticed. So oh, I should describe myself for the people who cannot see me. Um, I am white, female. Um, it's like you had to check there. Yeah, I was like thinking of all the things, all the categories. Right. Northern. Um, Northern. I would say I would say I'm not. So I I would describe myself as bisexual. So that's like 
LGBT, but like soft LGBT. <laughs> Some people would disagree with that. There'll probably be a lot of people being like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's, it's but, in, I think it's interesting that you say it's the soft LGBT one because bi is like, outside of the trans community, seems to be the most discriminated against because of the, mm. the thing about bi invisibility. Deservedly, I think. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm allowed to say that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm in a relationship with a man and people seem not like surprised but like it people people don't know that i would be by mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. out of nowhere so uh yeah that's definitely a privilege compared to someone who's but in, then i'd like, say that's the same for all bi people like i would never really meet a bi unless person you're in a relation unless they're in a relationship with uh, like if it's a woman they're in a relationship yeah. with another woman yeah. i, I do think the that's different that you meet them in yeah yeah, yeah exactly that's it um and yeah, and I've never suffered like homophobia or anything like that. Um, but that is partly because I've been in a ten-year relationship with a man. Mm. So yeah. why why would I like? Yeah. How would people know to do that? Um, the one thing that I think I've noticed that that a privilege that's helped me more than anything else is my accent. So like, I don't sound like a council estate person. People yeah. always think I'm posh. Like people always talk about how posh I am. Or like when I'm in, when I was in London, people mm. would think of me as like. They could tell I was Northern, but like generic Northern, like they couldn't place me. And I know that I, in my head, judge people for like regional accents. So like if I hear like someone from like Bromley, like mm. there was this girl once I was talking to who was from Bromley and she had like the most Bromley accent. And she was talking about her um, politics degree and like how she got first in her politics degree. And I was like, fuck, like in my head, I just like assumed because she, because she had such a strong accent that she... That yeah, that she wouldn't have had a degree, which is which is really bad. But so I know I've benefited a lot from yeah. that. I I I do it the other way around. Like oh uh, really? Sorry, Hussein. Sometimes if I hear a southern <laughs> accent, I like automatic unless it's like Cockney, I automatically <laughs> yeah. assume like oh they must be quite posh. Mm. I, I I used to have like a South London accent, mm-hmm. and actually the story behind it is quite sad to think about. But the um one of the, the first prime the first posh primary school that I went to. Um, basically kicked that accent out of me. Right. And the idea was, like, and the idea they said very openly, and this is like, I can't even remember what year this is, but, you know, this is like the early 2000s when they're like, you know, you need to learn how to speak properly and stuff. So, like, I remember, you know, having to kind of stay behind at, like, lunchtimes and stuff when I first moved to this school um, just so that they could basically fix up my voice, right? Um, and it's really And it's really messed up. It's really, really messed up to think about because... Um, you know, and and I was only very aware of it much later in my life when I used to work at my dad's store, and that is like in Thamesmead, which is a place in South London, and everyone sounds very different to you, despite the fact that you don't live like significantly further away. It makes you very aware of like you know the class distinction, even like how that internalizes. Um, yeah, that's actually really sad to think about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, they've done they they have done you a favour, even though it's so fucking horrible. Like, have, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's it's interesting because hearing that made me remember that at our secondary school there were two kids who uh, they, I assume they had grammar, no, elocution lessons yeah. when they were younger. So they spot they spoke with quite what we would consider posh accents, mm. and they were yep. mercilessly bullied for it oh, because everyone else sounded like they just come from the pits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of interesting to see the scope of that. But we are forgetting Grace Holiday. Yeah. How yeah, are you this is really interesting because 
it's one of those things that you don't really think about until somebody asks you. Mm-hmm. And I've asked all three of you now and suddenly gone really quiet and gone, oh, God, I need to think about what mine is now. So I guess working against me is I'm female, which is probably the least privileged of the two genders. Mm. I'm northern. Two genders? Oh, yeah. <gasps> Oh. Bigger. We'll let you know. Oh, no, it's probably so actually not the least privileged of all the genders, oh, yeah. probably. But uh, if we're talking just man and woman. So I was thinking of like the the opposite. So I, then I was thinking about like northern and southern as well. So I would say people would generally say that southerners are generally considered. I don't know, it's, it's difficult. So, so I'm northern, female, working class, now kind of social mobility. I kind of live more of a middle class lifestyle but I'm definitely I don't know I don't really know where I f- where I fall on that spectrum mm. anymore mm. um but then I'm mixed race so um my dad is uh white and white British from Rotherham um and my mum is uh black Caribbean Jamaican uh but she's half so I'm a quarter which is why I'm quite pale skinned and why mm. people I thought you were like well I didn't really th- I don't I don't think I kind of thought about it but like I didn't think when I first met you I didn't think of you as a well I don't know whether maybe I don't think of people as a mixed race I don't see race (laughs) um but yeah I don't know I think you could pass as white if people weren't really paying much attention so I think that's a that's not really the right way to talk about it but no I think what's interesting is is people tend to see in me what their own race is so Mm. Asians think I so a lot of Asians have presumed that I'm Iranian um, I've been to Greece, Spain, uh, Costa Rica and Italy and people have thought I'm a local and have spoken to me like a local. White people look at me and think that I'm white but a lot of black and mixed race people see that I have a bigger nose and bigger lips mm. and they see that I'm not white. So that's interesting that you say you thought I was white because that kind of follows the trend that people yeah. tend to see in me what features they recognise. Yeah. Um, however, I am white passing for sure. Um, even when I've got quite a tan which I have at the moment I still have Caucasian hair um, and obviously I have a British accent mm. so I feel like I never really know where to put myself on a spectrum and I think where I go on the privilege spectrum depends on who it is that I'm interacting with mm. and whether or not they know that I am a tick box ethnic minority working class female northerner or whether they presume like so, so somebody could meet me and presume that I'm a graduate of Royal Holloway University of London, mm. white girl who's, you know, lives in a two bed flat with a husband and presume a certain thing or somebody could mm. know me from my past and know something else. Something else interesting is that I um married a Muslim Pakistani two years ago. So that's I now have a bunch of Muslim Pakistani in laws and in the future <laughs> I will have a further mixed race child who, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, um <laughs> all 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 things going well. Um, yeah, so I, I, my future child will have a different, or children will have a different experience of privilege to me because yeah. although they will also be mixed race, they won't be dual heritage, they will be multi-heritage mm. um, and will deal with Islamophobia, um, which is something that I've never had to deal with personally. So let's talk about male privilege, seeing as though we have two... Uh, two against two this week. <laughs> two against two. two against I see two. where this is going already. <laughs> yeah. So, Hussein, how do you see your male privilege on a day-to-day basis? Just, like, destructive and bad. <laughs> but, you know what? When when the whole Me Too thing happened, and at the same time, like, it was also the time when I joined the magazine, uh, the men's magazine. So, 
it was like the first time where I kind of had to really confront that because if you're commissioning stories or if you're thinking about how you kind of do editorial coverage inevitably you always kind of think about well what are the things that I've missed in my life that I don't know about because I think like I, I think there's a lot of guys who are genuinely like me in the sense that like we don't think that we're bad people we don't kind of want to harm anyone we aren't insidious and we don't kind of abuse our power so the question that we ask ourselves is like what advantages does society as it currently exists give to men like me mm-hmm. that we've become so accustomed to that it doesn't feel as if it's a problem because i think like with the me too stuff like you knew that like the abuse of power was a problem right yeah you knew that like harassment you knew that like all the kind of stuff that happened with all the celeb you know with weinstein and the other celebrities they were like clear abuses of power the big question is like what things aren't abuses of power right so that can kind of mean so we've done we've done we've commissioned bits of the magazine on like you know even the stuff like manspreading or even stuff like you know uh gaslighting is a big one Mm. um you know things about there's always like lots of jokes on twitter about like men who i'm just trying to think of like the most recent example because i get sent them all the time but like one of the most recent examples is like guys who when they're like arguing with their partners or arguing with women basically like turn the conversation away from like what the subject is to like oh is this a personal attack on me and like how am i supposed to feel about this and all that stuff right mm-hmm. um and i don't think they're consciously doing it i think it's kind of like these are things that like they've subconsciously been brought up with or they've been subconsciously like developed over time yeah um, like tactics they've started to work they you know they 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 didn't mean to deliberately be mis you know like yeah. be like that yeah it's just like something that that's worked or even just like talking over someone in the meeting which i'm conscious i just did and i'm so sorry no i did it to you first <laughs> uh, so it's fine uh you know all that stuff is like things that we things that we don't recognize but as we have these conversations you know we want to realize that like oh actually this is a problem and this is a problem not because in that specific moment there's a problem but more that it like feeds into a culture that is inherently like destructive and is inherently one that like puts down well you know that inherently puts down women in places where you know they you know we want to see them as equals and there's no way that you can kind of say that oh we're in an equal society where everyone is on the same playing field when evidently that's not the case when you interrogate these behaviors hard enough right and it feeds Mm -hmm. into bigger questions of like you know why do men you know why are men more likely to get promoted in most office spaces compared to women why are men like more likely to get like pay rises um you know and you have like these like right-wing guys who are just like oh it's because like men are just like more confident and they like demand more for their work it's like well why do you think that they're more confident (laughs) you know it's not just a matter of like you know human biology like this stuff is like learned it's like some very it's like inherently societal and you know it is problematic you know and the thing is if you don't think it's problematic then fine but like be open about it don't kind of hide it in you know this kind of you know pseudoscience about genetics and stuff yeah I totally agree and I think what's great is that we're now giving names to these problems um I know that when I was a teenager and even into my mid-20s 
men would just spread out on buses and on trains and in offices and you would just look at it and go that's just a thing that men do but I really like that we are now giving it a name and we're now saying that's unacceptable I was walking down a train carriage the other day and literally like seven men had their legs out in the aisle and it was the first time in my life that I've noticed it as something that is unfair and unacceptable because Mm. up until this point in my life I just watched it and thought oh that's just a thing men are allowed to do and I'm really happy for our teenagers and our little girls and little boys all genders to be honest all yeah all genders like we were Mm. saying earlier that now they're going to grow up and they're going to be able to name these things so when they say to somebody what you're doing is wrong they're not it's not just coming from this elusive place in their heart that says I don't like what you're doing we're actually giving names to things now like like man spreading Mm. And all the other things yeah. that men do, which are really annoying to women. I I started off. I really like subscribed to the like men are trash thing um, at first. Um, so I would like. <laughs> that, what are you? <laughs> Rick is literally sat opposite you. Like, all right, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I re- yeah. I originally really subscribed to that, and I was just like, ugh, yes, yes, all men. You know, like was this the men only are trash. When you were in the ten-year relationship with your partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now? Like, like you know last year or whatever the mm-hmm. year before no last year probably i was just like yeah yeah men are trash like yeah that that's what it is um because because there is that kind of there is an element of like the reason we're in the situation we are where men still have these privileges is because even the men who don't like directly perpetuate it themselves mm. they they'll see it and allow it or you know they'll they'll not notice it where they should be noticing it yeah so like at first I really subscribed to all that but now like I've kind of gone back I've like gone gone through the looking glass again and I'm now at that it's actually not helpful to say men are trash even though there are men that are trash some of those men are actually recycling (laughs) yeah exactly something new and you know yeah that's that's it I think that's a better way of looking at it right yeah exactly and I think like it I think it it gives the men are trash kind of gives people a license to oh it gives gives a lot of men a license to think well you know men are just trash so if I behave like this it's not really my fault you know like women are just nicer people and men are just worse people and it's like no 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 everybody everybody starts out the same and mm. those are all like learned behaviors mm. um and yeah and, and I actually yeah for a long time I was like thought I'd kind of seen the light with the men are trash thing but now I think I've seen the light so my problem is if a man is spreading his legs in such a way that he's physically touching somebody else because mm. I don't think physical contact in public is nice um, if someone's putting their leg in the aisles and they won't move it to get out of your way, that's I think that's just that's just rudeness. And that would be rude if it was yeah, a woman or like, a man doing it. Yeah, I mean. But the difference is, it's not a woman. It's, it's so, never but, a woman. So, but I mean, like I, my observation is that mm. women do not all women. Some women will sit on one seat of a train, say, and put their, bag on and the put other. their legs across oh, the other. Okay, um, yeah. so Shall I tell you why we out. do that? We do it's, that it's to avoid men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but again, like if it, it's it's but the, rude. But the, it is it is rude. But I think the intention is very different. So if a man spreads his legs to touch a woman, mm-hmm. that's very different to a woman sitting down on a train at like six o'clock on a winter's night. Yeah, not had a great day. Already had a bad interaction with a man that day, perhaps or that week, or just in their life, whenever. And there's a bunch of drunk men that get Ooh. on the train behind, yeah. and you put your bag down next to you. And you put your earphones in and you look out the window and you put your stoniest, bitchiest face on mm. and go, do not fucking sit next to me because I, I am slightly intimidated by you. Mm. I, I know some friends. I know a friend who was basically got trapped on a train by a group of men Ugh. and she couldn't get 
either way off them there was no train guard there was no cctv or that what there was there wasn't she wasn't being tracked or whatever um and she just said that the train stopped finally stopped in, at a platform at the point where she actually thought she was about to get raped oh and i i still think about that now when i'm on trains and public transport by myself mm. so obviously i've taken that to a completely extreme level rick but oh yeah um, yeah i just feel like it comes into intention i was a, i was a if I'm on a train on my own or with my fiance and a group of football lads get on, mm. I feel much the same. I'm like, right, you put your headphones in, I'm going to put my bitch face on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not involved in... I don't want to talk to That's these it. guys. It's, I feel like it's like the, the problem isn't really between men and women. It's between a, a lot of men and women mm-hmm. and a minority of like really problematic men. And those men are problematic for women and for other men as well. And I think when we make it into like a sweeping generalization, we we're, we're ignoring the the men who also yeah. are victims sometimes of those kind Which of things. Which is what you're saying when you say you've decided to stop saying yes, men are trash. Exactly. Because yeah. I think men can be trash, and I think women can be trash. I think women can be freaking awful sometimes. Mm. Like, but for different reasons, <laughs> and they do yeah. different yeah. things. Unfortunately, yeah. not you've not manufactured society, so you yeah. can continue <laughs> yeah. to be brings us on to my husband as I said is Muslim Pakistani when he walks down a street at night I think that he has very similar thoughts to what you have Rick yeah but they're not exactly the same because like you're both worried maybe about like getting beaten up Hussein maybe you're the same you're worried about getting beaten up but for you and Madassa my husband Mm. Hussein maybe you worry more about kind of that it would be a racially motivated attack and there's like an extra tick box next to your face. Mm. There's an extra reason to want to beat you up or to want to be attacked. Um, So yeah, Hussein, I guess I should hand over to you as the other not white person around the table. It's different for me where I live in London and I look like another badly dressed hipster kid (laughs) uh, rather than kind of anyone who's like has an overt Muslim identity. So I think I have some advantages in the sense that like I don't kind of have a big beard and you know, I'm obviously not a woman who wears like a hijab or anything. Yeah. So I can often get away like scot-free. The thing where the, the place where I get worried actually sometimes is trains. So like my train back from London to Kent, which is mostly filled with like people who don't look like me. Most of them are white. You very often do you get like depending on what time of night you you get on your commute back home you do end up getting like guys who you know have just come out from a night on the town and they're like pissed and you're there's always a part of you that's sort of wondering oh shit like you know is something happening to me and like be on a carriage where there's different where there's other people um just in case something happens like it like luckily for me it hasn't um but i'm very kind of aware of that I imagine that, like, that feeling that you mentioned in your question will happen if you come from a space where there aren't as many um, ethnic minorities, like, around on, a, like, a day-to-day commuting basis. Yeah. Um, which, like, I, you know, I just haven't... Even, like, during the time when I was in university and I went to a university in the north, like, that never really occurred because I was always commuting to and from London. Have you ever been the victim of a racially motivated attack? Um, not a physical one. A couple of verbal ones, like um, back in like this was actually back in my university days, and just like the things that I've described in terms of like 
you know, being late on a Friday night and just having, like, some guys trying to, like, start shit with you. Yeah. And what about um, being in the shop, in your parents' shop? Do you you, you find... Uh, Was that... I don't know. Like, I guess it's, it's like, almost such a stereotype. I don't know. Yeah. It's... It's a weird one. I, you know, I, I've, ri- I've written like a couple of essays on this, so which just goes to show that I think about this like pretty much all the time as well. Mm. Um, so when you're in a shop and when you kind of are the only local shop in the area, there's like a certain type of power that you have, right? Mm-hmm. So um, oddly enough, there will be times when people like will really respect you if they want to get like, you know, if, if they're running short of money and they want to get like cigarettes or lottery tickets or something like that. Um so that's one very bizarre extreme. The other very bizarre extreme is when things don't go their way and they sort of use, you know, they take out their anger on you or, like, you know, so there have been, like, you know, I, I kind of vaguely remember a lot of, like, verbal verbal abuse that happened, a couple of, like, things that involve, like, graffiti or um, vandalism and stuff like that. Mm. Luckily, like, I never experienced any, like, violence per se, but I do think that, like, my dad did um, when I was very young. Um, there is a story that, like, I still haven't heard the full story about this, but there is a story that, like, um, a guy did, like, come into the shop, like, with a gun when I was a kid and I was, like, sitting oh. on the counter when it happened. Um, completely oblivious to, like, what happened as well. So... Um, I think that's kind of like the most extreme story that I've heard, but I imagine that there's probably more that I just haven't really asked about, and I'm not sure whether I want to know about it. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that does, but there's a part of me that sort of wonders, like, oh, like, how will that kind of change my perception? Back up to the north, this is something that I noticed loads. So I can remember, like, this really embarrassing situation where I was sat with, like, two of my friends who've got their own businesses and we were in like our old office that we shared and they're both Asian and I was just talking generally and I was like um blah 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 people of colour blah 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 um and they were like what one of them was like what did you say and I was like people of colour and she was like oof and I was like oh shit like I oh I thought you know like that I thought that was the right term. She was like, "Oh no, it sounds like coloured people to yeah. me." Yeah, it does. Yeah, and but I was there's like, "There's a lot of there's a lot of people now trying to reclaim the phrase women of colour," and I personally really don't like it, mm. and I actually never use it. And it's because oh, of really? what my well, it's because of what my mum always said to me was that calling somebody coloured is really freaking stupid because everybody is coloured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's just another way of other othering. Yeah. othering people so I really don't like the phrase women of colour and I really well, she, don't like yeah. the phrase people of so colour so she hadn't heard people of colour before and I was like this is this is when it got really embarrassing and I did stop myself thankfully but I was like no no that's the preferred term now like, I was like sat with two Asian women like telling them what the, the preferred term was <laughs> and I was like look look let me find let me let me look it up I'll I've, there's this BuzzFeed article and like, I got this article up to show them and then I was like oh my god like I'm an idiot <laughs> I think that if non-white people want to deal with racism, we all have to take it upon ourselves to educate people when they ask us well-framed questions. And, and, and I know that's controversial because I do understand the viewpoint of going, it's not my responsibility, go on Wikipedia, watch movies, yeah. watch Moonlight, whatever, like watch Crash, there's loads of films out there to educate you. But I yeah. am, I've always, but then maybe, maybe my experience is different because I'm white passing and so maybe I've had far less experience of it and so I don't mind when people ask me because I'm not exhausted by it. Maybe that Muslim woman is absolutely sick of people asking her. Oh, yeah, probably. So as I say, it's maybe controversial and maybe people disagree with me, but for 
for me, where I'm coming from, I feel like people should be allowed to ask questions as long as it's asked in the right context, without being abrasive, without being yeah. aggressive. And, and I mean, I think, I think like, I think this, that's a reasonable position to take. And I think it's a position that I would like broadly agree on. Um, you know, because there's nothing wrong with asking questions, right? Like I'm a journalist by trade. I think you guys are journalists as well. We ask mm -hmm. questions that we ask questions as a living. Um, questions are important. Um, what it's worth remembering is that like, obviously questions are asked in a context. And I think that if you are genuinely interested or genuinely like, you know, and also even in the right setting as well, like I don't want to go to like, I don't want to go to a house party or something and spend like my time talking to a stranger about like, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. and expulsion. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's not something I want to do. But you know, if you were wanting to meet me and you were like, you know, I'm really fascinated by this or that, like, yeah, I'd be like happy to talk about it. And also what's worth, what a really important part is also the people who are asking these questions should like tacitly realize that maybe we don't have all the answers to stuff, mm. right? You know, that we're not experts when it comes to ethnicity or like anthropological history or sociology and stuff like that. And but if they do have these genuine questions, that uh, maybe it might be worth like speaking to someone who is an expert on stuff. Mm. There's like so many times when I've been asked about like, you know, it, you know, Indian history or like you know the like very random kind of anthropological questions about the separation of like Gujarat into Pakistan and India. But I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Really yeah. Um, you know, there's definitely you. Know, and so I think that if people can accept that I don't know the answers to those things, but you know, still want to ask me stuff and fine. I think if it's like more as a means of interrogation or, or more as a means of like sizing up or even just like fodder that you talk about when you're like half pissed at a house party, like it's mm. not stuff that I think I need to invest like my time or emotional labor in. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I really agree. Rick, do you want to hit us with your punch up this week? Yeah, I have a little punch up this week that people might be aware of. Um, so, has everyone seen Childish Gambino's video for This Is America? Yes! Excellent. So, there is a feminist comedian called Nicole Aubrey, who... <laughs> oh, there we go. I think someone's anticipated what the punch <laughs> was going to be. Um, who has done a, a parody version uh, talking about feminism, which, it, it you know, the concept is fine, but it is the, the best example of white privilege and to an extent cultural appropriation that I've ever seen. Yeah. And it just, the moment my friend showed, he's like, oh, you're gonna love this. It's <laughs> gonna make you so angry. Creatively, it's just unambitious and childish. It misses the entire point of the original source material. When you watch it, you just think, why am I wasting my time with this when I could be watching Childish Gambino? Very, very bizarre. Yeah. Um... It's just a, a bizarre choice of, I mean, I guess it's probably maybe the original video is like one of the most watched videos ever on YouTube, but like I don't know, it just seems like an odd choice of parody material. I think, I think it's just like comedians or influencers and stuff who like capitalize off you know things that are trending, right? Mm. So, so like back in the day, it was like you know just these funny video, like funny cat videos, or I'm trying to think of like you know the endless parodies of Gangnam Style, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think we've entered this stage at the moment where, like, viral material isn't, like, a catch-all for anyone to use. In the same way that, like, Gangnam Style sort of was, like, other viral videos were. Like, this video, even though it did go viral, even though it's gone a lot of conversation, like, it has artistic merit. And I think yeah. 
there is that kind of thing about us entering a stage where we recognize things like YouTube videos as art and then have those conversations where it's like, well, because it is art and because the meaning of that artistry is sort of like embedded in the material itself, it's not something that you can just co-opt. And I think more people were sort of, the, the criticism that I got that I found was like, obviously like, yeah, like you basically whitewash like a movie about black America. Um, but the second thing is also just like, you've also diminished like the art of like, you know, a person of color or like a black, yeah. even though mm. even like you've diminished the art of like a black man. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, that's really problematic and fucked up in a lot of ways. And just um, dim- like diminished the art of parody. <laughs> like the concept of parody that is it for our episode about privilege um if you want to get in touch with us uh we are on twitter and instagram at the podcast or you can email us at the at gmail.com um we haven't done so many this week but make sure that you send us our usual things so the profession the Povlem and the punch up. Yeah, we can get punch up from mm. listeners, yeah, can't we? Yeah, of course we can. Um, as well as your feedback, we're always interested. And obviously, we've talked about quite a interesting subject today. Let's call it. Um, so we'd be really thrilled to hear what you guys think about the conversation. And what only, your input would be. And we only really scratch the surface. As yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. Um, obviously, with something like privilege, we could go on for. I hours. really wanted to end this podcast with the phrase, "Well done, guys. We did it. We fixed racism." <laughs> <laughs> Just no. turned out we not can't. this time. No. Part two. Um, (laughs) Thank you to our editor, Charlotte Nichols, and to Acast, who hosts the podcast. Um, And thank you also to our partner, The Overtake, which you can find at... Theovertake.com. And finally, thank you so much to Hussein. Um, Where can people find you if people want to, like, follow you and stalk you and know more about you? Yeah. Okay, so bad tweets. Most (laughs) of at Um... And if you want to read some of like my stuff, then it's on melmagazine.com and you'll see my name on the master. Fabulous. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.